We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday. Not sure if you're listening to this because you're commuting today or if you're just in a Thanksgiving post-eating coma. I guess that depends on where you are in the world. <laughs> yeah. If you are in a post-eating coma, guess what? You'll probably eat more today. It's a weird holiday. Let's yeah. just get together well, and overeat. That really is <laughs> sure. that really is the only real tradition of Thanksgiving is we're going to celebrate the fact that we have a lot of stuff, which <laughs> – I, I actually sure, I sure. didn't tell you this, Paul. You, you may have seen it on the Instagram feed. Uh, it is snowing very hard here in Park City. I know you're still in Seattle. Yes, it's snowing still in very Seattle. hard here. Yesterday it was 50 degrees, and I went, you know what? There's no snow yet. It's 50 degrees, and going on a bike ride. I went on a bike ride yesterday, and after all of the weirdness we went through a week ago with getting everything stolen and trying to recover. I felt really blessed and thankful to be on the bike and just be like, I live here, I do this show, it's really cool. So I Instagrammed, shared that same thought because I was just feeling that very much. Thank you guys for listening and being with us. So cool. Yeah, man, I wish I would have gotten on the bike as well, but I'm still in Seattle with family through the eating holiday here. Everybody chooses something different apparently, but uh, I'm a turkey guy. I like turkey, baked turkey. It was very traditional with my family. And yeah, I (laughs) ate a lot. I'm uh, (laughs) on the sugar high, you know, when you wait till evening and then everybody breaks out the dessert so yeah i'm I'm still on the sugar high right now which is great but yes uh thank you guys for uh for your support really after we've gone through this washington shoot and the the photos that i posted on instagram asking for questions i was just scrolling through my phone thinking i cannot help but post more photos of these cars because after all the stuff was cleared away and we were able to focus on the cars it was worth it. I'm I'm gritting my teeth, but but still we lost a lot and uh, well, lost a lot of gear yes. and data. And the data yes. has been a setback. Actually, you mentioned what three days of editing were lost just in edit time. Somewhere in oh, that world, around three days worth of edit time between the three of us. Because I mean, you guys are helping me with with kind of what would be called assistant editor kind of stuff. It's kind of sorting yeah. and and chopping up footage and condensing stuff so that what I end up with is, is more of the prime stuff to really put in an edit. So you guys right. have been doing that. So if you right. think about all three of us working, yeah, it's the better part of about three days' worth of editorial, Jeez. which is not a setback we really could handle on the Corvette film because that deadline is kind of a hard deadline of the 15th. So we're working toward that, so uh, no pressure. But, I mean, here's honestly, here's the craziest thing I feel like because of the big realization that came out of us getting that gear stolen. You know, you guys actually set up a GoFundMe page for us, and that has actually been really helpful because, of course, we lost computers and a lot of other stuff to work on. But what we've been doing is building the monster official police report for the police and for insurance, and that involves minutia. Oh, yeah. What's the serial number of that piece? How many of those did you have? And that's where it got nuts because we went down into – I didn't think about – I I took a guess. I guessed we had between fifteen dollars and $20,000 worth of gear with us. (laughs) But here's the thing. Once you get into, oh, we had three of that filter and four of those batteries and the the little minutia stuff that sits in the back of the case in case you need it. Over time because we'll just, hey, we need more of those and we'll spend more money but stretched out of a period of time. Then you put it all together in one lump – it's a lot yeah, of money. Well, it was when you owned me actually. When you own 10 64 gig uh, SD cards and you lay them out right. in a row and you go, what do each of those cost? That's a lot of money. So our grand total we found it last night and this is not this is I'm just sharing this because it shocked us both. Yeah. Our grand total on gear and tech. So that includes things like headphones for editing and external drives and laptops because we had that stuff with us to work. Mm. The grand total was $31,000 worth of stuff gone. 
That's not even clothes, folks. Now, granted, yeah. we had very few clothes with us comparatively, but thousand well, dollars still. You were gone for ten days. Yeah, yeah. Um, thirty-one thousand dollars worth of tech and gear. I so still can't believe that number. God. And thank you guys yeah. for the GoFundMe help. Yeah. That is actually still up. The insurance stuff is going to cover a lot of that, which is somewhat still pending. But oh, the paperwork that we're doing. But thank you guys for yeah. listening and for helping yeah. and for just being fans of what we do and just walking through this with us because it's, uh, it's been an adventure. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Mildly. Yeah, thank you guys. Really appreciate the support. It's been huge just to know that, you know, people have your back. And it just it's mm-hmm. definitely felt that way from your comments on social media and the GoFundMe page. Guys, thank you a million. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're diving into a podcast here. As Todd said, I'm still traveling, so it does not quite sound like our studio setup, but that will be for next time. I'll be back, and we'll keep rocking. But we do have a couple of cool car debates. I do want to start out with a piece of news that has come about this Thanksgiving week, and it's rocked the auto industry, and Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. the arrest of Carlos Ghosn. He is the CEO of Renault and Nissan. And he's been there for over 15 years, a long time, and he is known for putting the partnership together between those two companies. And then in 2016, he added Mitsubishi because Mitsubishi was floundering. They you know, quit making the yes. Evo and didn't know what to do didn't next. Didn't know what to do. Let's, so. make, let's make a nail polish co- colored mirage. That sounds like that. Perfect. Sell, yeah. Perfect. So he was arrested in Japan earlier this week. After mm-hmm. Nissan found in, within an internal probe that he was underreporting his income, and then he was using company funds inappropriately to fund real estate around the world. That's what I'm reading, mm-hmm. at least, and getting that's the initial reports here. And that allegedly world, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, man. So they have decided to remove him along with another executive who, uh, Greg Kelly is his name, I believe. And both these men are removed, and it's rocking the industry in a way, because keep in mind, Renault and Nissan are not merged. They are partners, but it's Mm -hmm, not a full mm -hmm. merger. And there's been talk over the years, should it become a full merger, that hasn't happened yet. And publicly, Carlos has said, no, I don't think that's right. And there's still, it still hasn't been the most popular thing between two very different cultures, the French and the Japanese. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, of course, Carlos was known for the cost-cutting, and he did bring Nissan back from the brink, and they are huge, they're very profitable, they sell a lot of cars worldwide. Renault has a very different take, and and I think kind of a different Mm -hmm. market, Mm -hmm. honestly. They're, They're known for different products. So keep in mind, this is a partnership, but now, after reading all this, and just... You know, reporters are picking up on things and alluding to various things here and there. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm wondering if this means the two companies end up deciding to thank you very much part ways. Because Mm. think Mm, of all those partnerships over the years between, well, shoot, Chrysler and Mitsubishi had a partnership long ago. Remember the Mitsubishi Mm -hmm. Stereon? That was Mm -hmm. within Mm -hmm. the Chrysler partnership. It's happened a lot. So we had the Z car. And it's been, what, 12 years since that car has been actually refreshed? And we've got the GTR, been, and that's It's been since the, the dinosaurs. The, the Z car came back in 03, and then they made the, the – three. that was 350. And then the three, uh, 370 was 09, if I'm not mistaken. And here we are, you know, nine years later plus. And by the t- if, if they have mm-hmm. a new one come out, that car will have been on the market more than a decade by the time they refresh it, if they refresh it. So, wow. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I guess what I'm trying to say is if there is a, a division here and the companies go mm-hmm. their separate ways, mm-hmm. 
there's going to be even more cost cutting, probably within both companies, because now they can't mm-hmm. rely on shared technology or shared battery technology for whatever they're planning for the future. They're yeah. dependent probably on suppliers. And that means less enthusiast cars, because let's be honest, mm-hmm. enthusiast cars is harder to make a business case for, because even though they're fun and they're halo cars and yeah. They, yeah, yeah. they really set the tone for the brand, they don't sell in mass. It's Camrys that sell. It's Corollas that sell. Yeah. It's Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, name a Nissan model that, <laughs> you know, there's, there's two enthusiast cars, really. Everything else yeah. speaks to a, you know, large sales around the world kind of car. And I'm just, I, I'm privately concerned. I'm, I realize I'm voicing my concern here, but I'm, I'm privately concerned with this and thinking yeah. this is going to rock the auto industry big time if that happens, well, but there's still going to be fallout. This is very fresh. There's, there's a couple things here that I think are interesting. First off, Carlos was the man we can thank for the uh, Nissan Murano convertible. <laughs> so in that regard, this might not be a loss. That's terrible to I mean, say. That I'm did sorry. Stop but stop after that. Oh, yeah. that was 2011. That fits yeah, in the moment bad. in time cars. Do you realize? In, in the bad well, category. That- that was a bad moment, but there you go. That's frightening. But on the other end of the spectrum, but honestly, more seriously, though, think about this. Sergio Marconi died earlier this year unexpectedly. Yeah, right. Now Carlos is being pushed out of Nissan. These were probably the two largest titans of running car companies in the business. Yeah, and they're both sure. out in the same calendar year for different reasons, okay? So we've lost both of them for the industry. That's going to have major ripple effects across all kinds of product lines, I think. And, you know, new people are going to have to rise. This is going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for more, but, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of blowback here. They were paying yeah, him a lot of sure. money. And, oh yeah, you know, when you start getting fat and happy, you know, you mm-hmm. think you're untouchable and you start being tempted by that kind of income. You start to be mm-hmm. taking advantage of things and it is easy. It's happened throughout history and here it's happened again. So I'm really bummed to see that. I'm bummed for Nissan and you know, the infinity brand too. I mean, I, yeah. I know people there yeah. and uh, for sure. It's yeah. It's just, it hits home, you know, personally. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering about all the employees there. So, whew, you know, kind of crazy, but uh, I'm just hoping that enthusiast cars continue because I think they need one despite them not being able to make a business case for it, maybe. I think they need mm. one more than ever. With the Toyota Super coming, they yeah. desperately yeah, yeah, need a new that. GTR. They desperately yeah, need sure. a new Z car. Come on, bring it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's in the works. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some hot drift Datsuns are coming back. Maybe they're bringing that back. I, I don't know. Hot, hot drift Datsuns.org. <laughs> there, My there we go. phone hasn't rung. They haven't called me to consult me on what their product plan should be. It is kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's try to do a couple car debates because I think you and I could talk about that part of the industry for a while. But we've got two good car debates. One is Pedro writing to us trying to pick between two cars. And I think I have a very strange wild card for him. Do you? And also Mike writing in and uh, he loves his car. He has an E39 M3 with 300 thousand miles which makes him go <laughs> i'm gonna get something else so we got to try to, <laughs> to replace that car clearly he's already in love so we'll, that'll be after the break we'll talk about uh, that situation for mike and of course many of your questions are coming as well so let's dive in here with uh, pedro yeah he's up in washington and he's looking at two cars that he really likes and he wants our opinion on which would be the better pick as a daily mm-hmm. driver so he's a computer guy he's a tech geek he's an enthusiast and he's getting more into cars. And he said, you know, about six or six months or so ago, you know, he was mm-hmm. looking to purchase a car, but, you know, he's wanting to save some money and then get a car loan from probably a credit union. So his monthly payments will be lower, probably get a pretty good rate from something, uh, a credit union. 
But he's driving yeah. an 09 Impreza wagon, and he's starting cool. to get bored of it. Cool. Okay, all right. Yeah. He's looking for something more fun and can be a good, fun daily driver. And That's he says, twist, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really have more than one passenger unless he goes into Seattle or PAX West or something like that. He mostly just commutes to work, the gym right after mm -hmm. work, and then he goes home mm -hmm. and hasn't really done any track driving, but is considering getting into it in the near future. So he's thinking, all right, something that could be the car, track car, and then, you know, still the commuter car. All right, I'm I'm liking this, but he's looking into the 86 platform, and you and Chance have owned you know the 86 for a yeah, few years. Sure. Definitely speak to that, and we've all driven them quite a lot. And you know he's yeah. he's uh, coming to the conclusion that he'd like to get the 86, but wouldn't mind you know he, he's saying the FRS and 86. We look at these cars as the pretty much the same car. It yeah, mainly just yeah, yeah. a start button and trim levels, and you know mm -hmm. that's it. Different totally, wheels, totally. Yeah. Well, not even that. Yeah, I mean 80. But we are talking about, let's be honest, we, we refer to it as the 86 chassis because it encompasses the BRZ, the Toyota 86, which is the current way they're selling the FRS. And before, before that in this country, of course, it was called the FRS. So that's where he's going because he has friends that have them. He's never really had a rear-wheel drive fun car, and so that's what we're shopping for mostly. But then there's the twist. Mm -hmm. While I'm at it, uh, Pedro says, while I'm at it, I also really, really like the Honda Type R. These two things are not the same. That's, that's the <laughs> crux of this discussion. And he's saying he would probably get the R, except he's worried about the fact that most people are trying to sell them above MSRP. I remember, and I actually said this in our review, I remember seeing right around the time we did our review, there were dealers that were selling it for fifty-five grand and claiming that was the MSRP. And I just thought... You know the internet exists, right? You know whoever is shopping <laughs> right. for a Honda Civic right. Type R has looked up the price before they wound up at your dealer. So now they just know you're just bold-faced lying to them. But anyway, so he'd love, <laughs> sure. to, he'd love to get – seriously, he'd love to get a Honda Type R if he could get one for the MSRP, but he doesn't, doesn't even know if that's possible. But that still makes this – I mean, the, the uh, 86 platform, you get a loaded one for about 30 okay? You can get a used one for cheap. The Type R is going to be what? What are we talking? 35, maybe 37? 35. Well, that's the yeah. MSRP, and they really don't come with more stuff. You don't load them up further than 35. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I've been looking around. I've found them, you know, sort of the, the dealer test car, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. They are in the 35 range. They do exist. So whatever dealer that you're finding the markup there, Pedro, is um, you need to take your business elsewhere. And you can tell them that. For you know, sure. I, For sure. My yeah. money's going elsewhere. And I do have a choice. Mm -hmm. I can go across the country if I want to. Absolutely. And I, I think yeah. you should. I think you sh should start broadening your search there. But yeah, these two yeah, cars yeah. are very different. The Civic Type R is is an entirely different experience and car. They're really not to be compared on any level. Mm -hmm. Not price, not platform, not power. Honestly, they're they're very yeah, different cars. Yeah. And so I can see that though. I, I can see merits of both for what you're wanting because the only thing that really comes together is the commute and the track time with both of them you can yeah, do both yeah. with those but they're very true, different tools true yeah 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 very very much so so he's saying you know civic type r would be more fun to drive for the commute but then there's back roads and he's saying all right well yeah. that would be better in the 86 so what are we thinking you said you had another wild card choice to introduce here I have a complete wild card choice, and I want to get to that in a minute because of a couple things he's said. Here's here's the big takeaways for me on this. Look, I we both really like the Civic Type R. It's it's an incredibly fun to drive car. I 
I think your commute would be interesting in the 86. I think you might like it more than you expect because the thing about that platform is it's very driver-involved. So even when you're doing something as mundane as commuting, you feel kind of like you're, you're, you're integral to the, the car. You're, you're kind of wearing it, all the terrible cliches along those lines. But you get yourself the six-speed in that. Actually, to be honest with you, the six-speed manual with the paddles on that, I mean, pardon me, the six-speed automatic with the paddles on that is also a decent transmission. I would back your play on either. Of course, I, I prefer the manual, but as a commute car with that auto, it's still not bad. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you would enjoy that car enough as a driver that you would probably still enjoy commuting in it. But it isn't nearly as versatile as the Civic Type R. And the place in commuting you would like the Type R more would be that there's a little tiny hole in traffic and I'm going to put my car there. The 86 can't do that. It just it doesn't have the power. Whereas, obviously, the turbo Type R could pull that off. So th- that's where I go sure. kind of running around in this. But then I come back to what you own, which is that Impreza wagon, which, okay, all right. Obviously, either one of these is going to be more of an enthusiast car, but I think what you need, Pedro, is you need a rear-wheel drive experience. That's my big thinking here. I feel like even though it's much hotter, I think that the Type R is going to feel closer to what you have than the 86 will. It's not that close. I realize it's a much hotter car, but I think it's going to feel more similar. If I wanted to get you into something new and different and you say, I'm an enthusiast wanting to have kind of my first enthusiast car experience, I think of these two, the 86 platform is the better choice for that experience. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that. I'm just, I never liked commuting. I never liked the straight line thing in the 86. And I know many of you have them and do that yeah. with your 86. I just never really liked it. The car came alive on the canyon roads. As soon as Completely. you hit... A slight bend. It didn't even have to resemble a corner, but it was a slight arc <laughs> in the road. Yeah, the car came yeah. alive. And then I, th- I thought, well, I've got to go searching now. I mean, yeah, this car is yeah, hunting yeah. for those. Whatever it is, a slight mm, bend. Mm. And of course, cornering is delightful. But anything outside of that, personally, I didn't really like the car. It droned. It was just, you're riding a thoroughbred, essentially. Or you've got... You know, you're mm. using the wrong tool for the job. I think that's a better analogy. Sure. It's sure. not a thoroughbred, yeah. if you know I what I mean, it. but using a racehorse for the wrong purpose or using a tool for the yeah. wrong purpose, yeah, yeah. it's not well suited. I, mm. I'm just, I'm looking at that car thinking, all right, you'd like it for a little while. And then you'd poke your head up and think, all right, I need to either start spending money on this to make it into what I want or hmm. I need to change. And I don't want that for you. I want to get... I want to get you into a car that you're going to love for at least two or three years before you start okay. looking around thinking, all right, I had a good experience with that one. Now what? Okay. I don't want you to, six months from now, think, yeah, I, you know, for whatever reason, agree, disagree with us, and you're not into something you really love. And so mm-hmm. that's where you see the tuning out of class happen with 86s so much because mm-hmm. people are now kind of bored with it and they want to tune it into the car they wish it was. And that's why you see... A lot of money dumped into these cars, I'll say, tuned hmm. into oblivion. That, okay. That's my personal right. take on those cars, even though yeah. I do yeah, love yeah. them. A simple tire and wheel change brings it to life, but you've got to be able to Absolutely. use it in that yeah. environment, tracking mm-hmm. or canyons. So yeah. I come to the Civic Type R, and I think I love that car. It would be a great commute car, and rarely sure. is the car that we find that has quite the, the difference in settings from comfort to sport to track Sure, but on sure. this car, it's not necessarily in a good way. 
we didn't like the steering feel. And so the problem is you can't customize your settings with the Civic Type R. Yeah, yeah. It's one dial and it does all of the things that change, whatever, the steering feel, throttle, input, suspension, mm-hmm. whatever it does, mm-hmm. it's only connected to that setting. You can't choose sport mode with that suspension setting and that steering feel and that throttle response. Yeah. You can't do yeah, that. That's true. That's true, yeah. Which is the Achilles heel of this car. And I think, well, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I want you to be in a rear-wheel drive car. And I'm kind of leaning towards the BMWs, to be honest. I mean, it mm, hasn't okay. even made your list here. But we actually yeah. talked about the 2 Series sort of being the upscale, next-gen, next thing after, you know, say you've got an 86. What's next? Look at the 2 Series. We talked about that car and kind of thought, all right, rear-wheel drive. It's kind of like BMW does a nicer 86, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's kind of a more the business commute bit. version of the 86. I, I see where you it's are. It's a stretch. I, we, we have made that, we've made that connection before. I hear you. I hear you for and sure. And that's yeah. why in any capacity, I'll take thirty five grand. we will put you in an M235i that you're going to cackle with glee yeah. with this car. I could see that. I could see that. And so yeah. that's where I'm going with it. I'm, I'm thinking rear-wheel okay. drive as well because as good as the Civic Type R is, it's that thing, you, you know, it, it happens with that car too. You think, I wish I could customize the settings. That's a bummer. Mm. I, mm. You know? Okay. And it, it holds you back from really loving the car even though there's so much to love about it. Mm. it, it mm. There's, I, I'm trying to strike a balance here between... You know, getting into into one of these two cars, but then what if you went a different direction? It sounds like you've got one too. Yeah, well, I have a complete. I mean, this is what I coined the term "wild card" for because I'm way off in the weeds here. But there was a sentence that I read early on in Pedro's email that made me go, "Okay, okay, how are you really going to use this car?" Because mm-hmm, sure. he mentions early on being a tech geek and, you know, com- huge computer and tech enthusiast and just recently starting to look at cars. That's one thing mentioned. He mentions he'd kind of like to have decent gas mileage. He's mainly commuting. He might track, but he doesn't know. All of those things converged, and I thought, okay, okay, wild card territory here. Mm, all right. Rear-wheel drive, Tesla cars. If you've got thirty-five grand to spend... Now, unfortunately, the $35,000 Model 3 does not exist. Will it exist? No one really knows. (laughs) Wait, are you talking about Roadster here? Early Roadster? No, I'm talking Model 3 or Model S. Now, unfortunately, the Model 3 is not a $35,000 car. Yeah, no. It's like 48 or so at the base right now. The Model S, though, has been around a while, and you can get them used. Both of them are rear-wheel drive. If you are a technology enthusiast... If you like that kind of stuff, you've never had a rear-wheel drive car, you're probably not going to be a guy that tracks. I, this is mainly a commute car. There's a part of me that goes, look, I'm going to go way deep into weird math here for a second. It's probably above your budget to get either of these. But mm-hmm. if you're worried about gas mileage, what are you going to save per year on gasoline? Okay. Does that offset the difference in your budget for your yearly monthly payments? I don't know. You're going to have to do your own math here. Interesting. Okay. But I'm just starting to say, okay, in over three years of saving on gas, obviously you're going to have other expenses. You're going to have charging expenses. And, you know, are you going to get a wall charger and these kind of things? Your life, you have to adjust your life for an electric car. You just do. But yeah, yeah, for sure. As you run run the numbers, could this make sense to you? Hmm. And as you are actually going to use the car, would this be a car that fits your lifestyle? I am a guy, obviously, I love the 86 platform. I'd love for you to have one. I like your 2 Series idea a lot, Paul. I think the Civic Type R is a riot. I don't have a problem with either of those three for you. But I kind of go, have you driven the Teslas? Does that speak to who you are as a person? Does it speak to how you're really going to use it? I know I'm in wildcard territory, but I'm leaving it there and thinking if you spent, I know I went above your budget, 40, 45. Interesting. 
but you you offset the gas cost, maybe that fits your life better. So that's why I'm putting it as a wild card. You know, I'm thinking about his thoughts here about tracking. Whatever car he gets about tracking it. And mm-hmm. we have read various testers who have taken the Model 3 around a track to yeah, great yeah. success, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. done quite well. You know, add tires. I'm kind of thinking, you know, a Tesla Model 3 racing series needs to happen. I, this well, could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets the dicey. Is they don't with, have extra cars for a racing series. So, well, yeah, that's no, but, yeah. you know, it'd have to be a private thing. You know, of course, pour money towards that and... The brakes would need to be upgraded on all the cars, by the way, because they're the, the new mm, NASA class. Heavy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be yeah, interesting? Yeah. I don't be. really see many people doing that in the future. You know what? I think I'm going to start tracking and modifying my Model Three just so I can do that. Don't really see that it's coming. coming. It'll come anyway. <laughs> I yeah. suppose so, but I'm I, I'm mixed on that. I can see it, but he's wanting the track thing here. And, you know, yeah. nothing is really better than in that price point than a 2 Series for tracking. We've beaten yeah, on these two cars. 2 Series, 86, all of those are going to be great for track. I, I, I just wonder where mm. Pedro's actual mm. usage is going to fall. And that's what makes me go there for a wild card. I'm very curious because, obviously, I want you in a full-on enthusiast car, Pedro, but it just might, might not make sense. So I had to throw down the wild card. I know I'm <laughs> that's way off in the weeds, but that's what wild cards are for. So I suppose. we've got a whole other car debate coming up in a minute but before that we're going to take a very quick break and we'll be back with questions as well so here we are talking right now about true car i don't know the last time you thought about true car but think about the fact they're tracking your car's story now that is the new part of true car that ding you put in your bumper when you had a first date luxury package you got because you thought you know what that'll add value to my car what about you didn't put any miles on your car and you thought you know what i rode my bike all summer i've got lower mileage what will that do to my car's story and its value? True car, you can now find out your car's story. This is interesting. So what you do is you go to True Car, you enter your license plate number, and then you watch your car's details pop up on the screen. So you've got to answer a few questions, you know, if, like if you've got navigation or a moonroof and mileage and all that kind of stuff, and then watch as your value goes up. Now, if you've got high mileage, that'll reduce the, you know, the value of your car there, but you already kind of knew that going in. You knew it's going to cost you, but you never know how much it dings your wallet, so now you can plan ahead. And then once you're finished with going through everything, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes to you, which you can then take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in pretty cool. I mean, you can actually know what your car is worth. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Car cash offer is not available in all areas. We hope you've had a great Thanksgiving watching football and eating a lot. And Podcast One Sportsnet is your home for the best football podcasts around. And they continue even after Thanksgiving to help you sort out everything. You can get all your football chatter from some of the biggest names in football. You can hear stuff from uh, Dan Patrick, or how about Rich Eisen, Jim Harbaugh, Ross Tucker, R.J. Bell. I'm continuing the Underdog Network. There's even more. Podcast One has all of these huge football podcasts. Happy Thanksgiving just happened, but hang on. You got all of the holidays. That's still football season. So there's a ton more of this coming. You can hear it all at Podcast One. Check out these great shows every week on Podcast One or wherever you find your favorite podcast. While you're there, do me a favor. Rate those shows and rate this one. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? 
did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Mike P. writes to us from Northwest New Jersey. After mm-hmm. having just finished driving an O2 BMW M5 E39... M5, this is the car that we love. We talk about all the time. Three, yeah, 300,000 cool, miles. Honestly, honestly. I'm just Mike, thinking of maintenance I, I, look, right now, Mike. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know where you'd find this out, <laughs> but I really wonder, Mike, if you have the highest mileage E39 M5 out there. I really wonder. 300,000 miles, that amazes me, honestly. By the way, you're proving my point here, and that is maintenance and preventive maintenance can yeah, make those cars. Yeah. They will last. I'm just, I'm sure your receipts are astounding and the the thick folder you have of everything you've done to the car, but they will. You pour enough money into a car, those cars actually are built for the mileage and he still drives it. He drives 20,000 miles a year and gets 20 miles to the gallon. He's got studded Mm -hmm. snow tires and he... (laughs) Love it. He said, his wife said, get something newer, (laughs) which I I find this hilarious. You're, yeah, what's hysterical is Mike's wife says, why don't you get a newer car? So Mike's brain goes to, why don't I find an E39 with like 100,000 miles? That's his answer for a new car. So at some point, at some point, he's kind of shaken off that madness and gone, all right, all right, all right. What should I really get? Mm-hmm. And that's made him think, why don't I go newer M5? You're noting a trend here. I mean, Mike's owned other stuff. He's had, you know, other 5 Series and a Boxster and a couple of 911s and a 944. And there's been, there was an old uh, Mercedes-Benz in his life and a few Cherokees. I mean, he's owned a sure. lot of stuff. But clearly, the M5 idea just stuck. So now he goes, this, I love this, Mike. You started with madness, by the way. The, the madness being, I'm going to buy a 100,000-mile car, and that's going to be the new one. That's the madness that I like. You could. But he genuinely could. could. He, he absolutely could. He absolutely could. And you would know everything to do to it. I, I get it. But then he thought, you know what I could do, which is always the beginning of the end? I could get the newer M5 because the E60s, <laughs> that's the V10, folks. The E60 M5s are cheap now. I want to spend about 20000 I could find a nice one of that. What if I did that? All right, guys, talk me out of it. I'm afraid of the E60. Formula One derived V10 with a red line at 8250. Yikes. Yikes. Cool and terrifying all at the same time. (laughs) The dealership will see you coming, my friend. (laughs) But he says he does all his own work. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of thinking, well, this might be too complex of a car. But he does his own wrenching, which is pretty Mm -hmm. cool. I'm very impressed by this. So maybe you don't have a stack of receipts, Mike. Maybe it is just... You know, you've gotten to know the car so well, you can change stuff out. That car could go half a million miles. It it could. And you could just go get another one. And you mentioned your past cars here, which is a, uh, what is it, a 535IS modified 1985. He's had a Boxster, a 1980, and an 85 911 Coupe. He's had, uh, what else, 86, 944, 1976 Mercedes-Benz 280, and many Cherokees but he likes the M5. (laughs) And the the funniest comment in the email here is, he will only consider a manual transmission because sadly he never learned how to drive an automatic. Darn it. I do love that. That's fantastic. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't know how to drive an auto. It's great. I don't get it. The other thing is, is, these are not Mike's only cars. He currently has a 66 Mustang Coupe. 
And he has a, a 2010 Mini Cooper S convertible six-speed. His wife drives an XC90. So essentially, your wife has the only automatic car in the family. And I wonder, mm-hmm. because you don't know how to drive it, if you ever even get in it. So, so we we got we got to help. We got to help out our poor friend Mike here because he's kind of lost in BMW land. And he, but then he throws out this random grenade at the end of the email. You see this? Yeah. Hey, yeah. W- would I like a WRX? Mike, I don't think so, honestly. And it's a, it's a good car. It's a good car. But I think you're going to find it, for, for your experience, not luxurious enough and not interesting enough to drive. Mm-hmm. That car with, is yeah. bulletproof in all situations. It's good in any weather, rain, shine, whatever it is. It is bombproof and good and fun and fine. But I don't think it has the rear-wheel drive fun quirk that you have enjoyed in that M5. So I think it's probably out for you. I think it's bland for you. I Here's agree. My thinking I agree. I think you'd like it for E60. about 14 minutes, honestly. And then you'd, you'd yeah. find it to be a little bit lacking in the character that you've loved about that M5. That's yeah, I mean, my, we're, my we're, gut. And you're replacing a legend of a car. I mean, that's the thing. This is a car that kind of every enthusiast goes, oh, the E39 M5s were so cool. <laughs> yeah, right. You're replacing that car. This is going to be difficult. I, I, I see I see your madness. I do. I see it, Mike. The E60 M5, it's fascinating. The V10-derived F1 engine, I get, I get it. However... These are known to have rod-bearing failures. I joke about how every car has their own <laughs> IMS bearing issue. Welcome to the one on the E60 M5. Doesn't mean it will happen, but it might. And it's not a cheap thing. So that exists. And also, I feel like that's one of those cars where the engine is so cool, they would had to put it into something, and the rest of the car is trying not to tear itself apart underneath this engine's uh, load. I kind of feel like... because. When you when you dig in at all on these cars, people talk about transmission issues, differential issues. Oh, by the way, all the mounts need to be replaced because the engine's a bomb and the car's mm-hmm. trying to harness sure. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm struggling with my choices here. I I've got some ideas for you, Mike, but yeah, not the WRX. I I'm looking at your your entire story here, and I can see okay. that you're a fan of European cars, German cars in particular. I see that. And I thought, all right, what about the standbys, the Pontiac GTO or Chevy SS? What about those two? Those are Mm kind of, you know, the usual suspects. We got to default to those. The G8 and the SS. I agree Mm -hmm. with you. Both of those are good options. The problem is the good manual SSs, of course, I looked them up, are 40, the good ones. Okay, but you could get right. a G8 GX. You could get a G8 GXP. You could look into that. I think that's a real possibility. This, this was on my short list. I have two on my list. That's on my short list. That combination, the G8 or the Chevy SS. You should at least take a look, Mike. I think it's worth it. Hmm. All right. I'm thinking about this car. I want to push you towards this just as something completely different. You're not going to be doing a whole lot of wrenching on it yourself, and it's way out of your budget. But I think as enthusiasts, we're all <laughs> looking forward to this car, the G70 Yay. Genesis. At oh. $35,000, which I know is not twenty grand. Twenty grand is your budget. I realize that. Mm-hmm. And that M5 mm-hmm. probably is not worth that much, honestly. I mean, it's worth a lot to you and probably to any enthusiast, but not just generally not, as lo- not a lot. I think thirty-five grand. All right, the, the base car, base G seventy, has a manual transmission, which you know how to drive, since we we've yes. determined that automatics are you know sort of you're befuddled by these cars. <laughs> what do I do with my left foot? I'm so confused. Don't yeah. Get it? Two liter four cylinder turbo, two hundred fifty two horsepower, lot of torque, mm-hmm. thirty-five grand. Mm-hmm. 
but it's 35 grand. It's nowhere near 20K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think, all right, how about an E90 M3, the four-door M3, which is kind of like, all right, a little bit more modern in every respect. It's still got the character that you love about the M5. It's a little bit smaller. The problem is the sentence you said here, you'd appreciate better miles per gallon. (laughs) <laughs> not the way you're going to be driving. <laughs> it's going to well, get but, worse with that car, actually. Well, yes. However, however, I have to say, I think the E90 is the play. We've had one of those moments where you? you and I have had the exact same list without consulting each other at all. I think the E90 is the play. And here's why I say that, Mike. If you're considering going from the E39 M5 to the E60 M5, you're already, at some part of your part of your brain, comfortable with cutting your mileage in half. <laughs> because that V10, that V10 is going to make the E90 look efficient. Okay? True. Honestly. Well, true. All yes. right? So the E90 is not an efficient car, but how are you going to drive it? That is part of my question. Because you're going to think, well, you get- I wonder what it sounds like at 8250. Yeah, let's, could let's you get try 20 it. miles to the gallon of your E90? If you if you commute nicely, you might. If it's freeway <laughs> right. commuting, you might. You're not. But here here's the thing. I think you're going to get a lot closer to your your E39 uh, mileage than you ever would going to the next uh, V10 M5. But the the thing about the E90 also is the fact that that's the M3. But the M5 has grown so much that that E90 is about the size of your current yeah, M5. Kinda. It's almost there. Yeah, the modern move in your (laughs) M5 love is to go to the M3, the E90 M3, and they're out there. That six-speed four-door. You've heard us talk about it before. It's one of our favorites. You're right, Paul. The problem here is gas mileage, but I think it checks every other box. Wheelbarrows full of gas. You're just going to run with a wheelbarrow full of gas and just shove it at this car. It's got to go in somewhere, and it just—it's going to drink all the fuel in sight. It's got like an 800 radius, you know, like fuel sucking capacity around this car. They're insane. I, I still think it's a Prius compared to that M5. I really do. I well, really do. The E60, yes, I suppose. Yes, the, the, v, the V10 has, is bound to be worse. It's like a, it's like a black hole for gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> All your friends are going to say, well, sweet car. Let's hear what it sounds like. Formula One drive V10. Let's hear it. Come on, Mike. Let's, no, no, no. Let's I, I, just, I just it. bought gas. I can't, I can't rev it again today. <laughs> I just filled that. it up. I just, I can't go back in the same day. Come on, guys. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking E90. But if you really want to rein it in, and you can get it for that price. For 20 k you can get it genuinely. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. if you want a little bit better fuel mileage, I think you're a BMW guy, and I'm back to the 2 Series, because 228 eyes are 16 to oh, 20 grand. Okay. Like a 2014 228i. Sure, and especially sure. if you look for that M Sport package, you can find one of those cars. I bet mm-hmm. you can get it for under 20. And it's a two-door, hmm. fine. But yeah, I, I think you'd still be really happy with that car. But it's just not the V8 that you love. It's honestly, it's fuel mileage or V8. If you drive a V8, just <laughs> delete that MPG sentence right out of your email and then, then yeah. you'll be happy. Sad but true. Sad but true. All right, Mike, hopefully something there has been helpful to you. I mean, the fact that you've driven an M5 for 300,000 miles, I, I, there's a part of me that just goes, that's pretty much all you're going to buy. So uh, hopefully we've helped a little bit. We've got some great audience questions. I want to jump in here real quick with uh, J.R. Schultz wrote in on Instagram. You've mentioned this question a couple times. I want to touch on it quickly. You made the comment. You just put yourself out there. You said, look, I know everybody seems to hate CVTs. Continuously mm-hmm. variable transmissions, and Paul and I are in the everybody camp. There, we hate them. But he says you you're saying you love their potential, 
And what do we think about a performance CBT? Oh, okay. Okay. Let, he mentioned let me, let me, the let me, let me, uh, Williams. It was a Formula One car from what was yeah. that? Um, Damon Hill and uh, Elaine Prost, yeah. I think, were, uh, so, were the drivers. So let me let me back up a bit. If you don't know that the the continuously variable transmission, in theory, is actually awesome. Imagine two cones pointed at each other. All right. And there's a there's a band between them. It's 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 think of it like a belt, but it's not really what it is. But anyway, the cones can constantly change their relation to each other and change the ratio. So if you've driven a CVT and if you've rented <clears throat> any uh, Toyota product, you probably have, uh, especially a Corolla and also a lot of the Nissan product. They have CVTs. In fact, Nissan is like bowing down to the CVT right now. So mm-hmm. if you drive a yeah. Nissan product, you've driven one. What happens is when you put your foot to the floor in a CVT, the engine goes to what somebody has predetermined as the optimal level for power and economy, which is like 4,000 RPMs maybe, and it sits there and drones while the car keeps accelerating because it keeps behind the scenes changing the ratio. Right, right. I like the tech. I like the idea. I see all of that. JR, for, for this to be a performance thing, it's going to be all about somebody sitting down and going, I'm going to tune a CVT to be fun and reliable and to pay attention more than I am for gas mileage because they are all set up for gas mileage. And as a result, when you drive any CVT I've been in, they rubber band like crazy trying to find a ratio because they don't know what to do because their entire purpose for living is to try to find good gas mileage, which is the exact opposite of this car needs to drive fun and fast now. If somebody completely rethought the tuning, maybe, but that's the only way it's going to happen. And I can't see anybody setting out to put a CVT in and then think, we should tune this for the track. I just don't see that happening. <laughs> I, I hope so as well. All right, Greg Lewis on Facebook asking about driving gloves. He said oh, okay. they, they seem a bit pretentious, but do we ever use them? <laughs> He says, I like how they work, and they lend a business-like feel to driving. How weird is this, really? Well, it's, it's uh, I, the only time I wear gloves are on, like, uh, 15 below kind of mornings, and the car hasn't warmed up yet. That's really sure. the only time yeah. I've got gloves yeah, yeah. on in a car. And even though I, I will say there's maybe two times in your life when you're driving an MGB or maybe a Jaguar E-Type, <laughs> That you can yes, get away with gloves, work. people are still going to look yeah. at you like, really, you're taking it that far? Okay, <laughs> at least you got the car, man. Is there a whole costume that goes with this car now and gloves are part of it? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's scarves involved with this, too. Scarves, my friend. Yeah, we don't use driving gloves, and I'm, I'm trying to think of an appropriate time. Maybe on the racetrack, I guess? Well, definitely on the racetrack, but otherwise... Yeah, racetrack, different uh, thing, yeah. No, I, I can... I can understand the attraction. I, I do. And you see it in a, I guess, a photograph, and the photograph kind of brings a sort of a look that you, you really like, you know? It brings sure, that to life. Sure, yeah. Okay. But generally speaking, you're going to get some weird comments if you just show up and you're doing the driving <laughs> glove thing, especially if you're, you know, driving a Mustang at a Saturday morning cars and coffee and you wreck it into a telephone pole. It's, you're going to get clowned. You know, you know what I actually think the weirdest part about driving gloves is? It's the putting them on and taking them off. Because <laughs> you and your buddies are about to go on a cruise, and now you have to stop for a second and do that little, you know, hand wiggle thing while you pull on your driving gloves. Everybody's going to be like, really? What, and then when you get you out doing? at the restaurant, at the end of it, you're peeling your driving gloves off, and people are going to be like, uh-huh. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Because because you were leading the front of the line. No, you weren't. Well, if you're so wearing the, those gloves, yeah, you have to be the best driver in the group. You have to be that is bringing true. it. That is true. Unless unless everybody struggled to catch up with you, you're gonna catch heat for your driving gloves. If everybody catch, struggles to catch up with you, they're gonna be. Do you like those gloves? It's really good at a pit. It really is. Yeah. I mean, you know, Walter Rural, the the Porsche test driver. I'm sure I pronounced his name wrong, but. That guy, or Hurley Haywood, or name your favorite race car driver, and he showed up, and he pulled on driving gloves. Everybody'd be like, "Okay, all right, you know, you're I need the, driving gloves. You're yeah. the best guy yeah, yeah. here, and I get it. And all right, but otherwise, not for the rest of us." Kevin Sinclair wrote in on Facebook and said, "If we live in an area which we do, if any of you live in an area where it gets well below freezing all winter, do we store our car care products in an unheated garage, or do we start to store them inside?" Hmm. Of course, I. Paul may have a totally different answer for this, but I'll give you my answer because I've experienced the good and the bad of this. It really depends on how your garage is connected to your house. Like, for example, my garage is kind of, I've got like sections of my house above my garage. Okay, so even when it's 15 degrees outside, my garage is at least 40. Okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't get sure. below freezing. Sure. It it maintains enough heat, so I just leave them in the garage. I don't worry about it. However, there was the time <clears throat> that I accidentally went to bed and didn't close the garage. <laughs> if you would like to see blocks of ice that used to be cleaning products, that's all I had the next morning. That was awesome. I was really proud of me when that happened. So don't do that. <laughs> but if the garage is closed, it, for me personally, it's warm enough not to have to worry about it. Kevin, I am going to admit to you that I have done the same thing. I forgot that I had products in a corner of the garage because I usually just okay. kind of keep them out. You know, I just want to give a quick detail. And you know me, I'll use Grio's stuff. That's all we use. Yes. And I, I had some speed shine stuck over in the corner of the garage. I forgot about it in the middle of winter. And then I went looking because I ran out of my, you know, the bottle that I usually have with a bottle warmer. It's like a tire warmer. I usually have the electric oh, bottle warmer right around it. Oh, my nestled. God. Just kidding. Uh, so oh, I, I'm horrified. <laughs> I forgot about it, and it was a block of ice. And I went, oh, no, I hope this doesn't change the composition or anything. It thawed out. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. And I used yeah. it for the rest of the summer after that, and once it thawed, it was all fine. I, I think a bunch of stuff froze, actually. I'm admitting that, but <laughs> it ended up it's being just fine. And uh, all right, not that you probably want to do that on a regular basis, but yeah, no problem there. There's a question also under that from Olin R., asking if we think about car companies are they thinking about the year of release when they're planning new models and his example is should we expect a lot of really interesting new versions for the 2020 model changeover think about this olin you're a porsche driver you met us at the seattle meetup uh what Mm -hmm. month and a half ago six weeks ago the 996 the the car that changed porsche from air-cooled to water-cooled was introduced in 99. Like, why didn't they wait till 2000? Why not the big year? <laughs> yeah, why not yeah. the big grand? Mm-hmm. Everybody was freaked about Y2K. Remember that? Yeah. Why wait? Why just go ahead and do it? Well, the technology was ready, and I don't think anybody cared. And so we think, 99, why wouldn't you wait? Like, you know, just hold off a year and make it really... No, they were ready, and they introduced the car, and it was the water-cooled car. So... I I can see that a little bit, but sometimes think of it from a business perspective. If the car has been matured and developed and it's ready for market, let's go make money with it. Why wait? Let's yeah. let's get it out to market. Yeah, people that. are hungry. I'll give you an example. The new Ford Bronco. Maybe they're waiting, but people are going to buy that car. 
doesn't yeah, matter sure, when it comes certainly. out. Yeah. People are going to want the Bronco, whatever that is. Mm-hmm, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. bring it back. I I guarantee if it's a 2019 or a 2021, nobody's going to care. It's just the new Bronco. Yeah. Just, that yeah, happens true, to be the model year it started at. Well, the bad trend that I'm seeing, though, that I don't understand is that car makers now are releasing a new model in, like, April or May, and they're not listing it for that calendar year. They're listing it for the next one. That's like, a little bit... Um, there'll be something that comes out long. in, like, April or May of next year, 2019, and it'll be like the 2020... Folks... <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, but 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 that's that's creative thinking. Stop it, I, and that's becoming more and more common. I mean, you can buy a car, and it's already the, the, the supposedly it's next year's model. It's like, right, but it's this year. I currently bought the car this year. How does this work? It was that's like radio DJs. It drives me nuts. It was like you know radio DJs late at night and switch over to you know 12 a.m. They'd be like, "Good morning, everyone." You're like, "Stop it." Hey, I, I've, you, I've had that job, so I, I hear I know you. It's you have. Yeah, uh-huh. it's all I know bad. you have. They, they do this, and it's just like, come on, guys. Anyway. Uh, J.P. Sella wrote in on Instagram, and he said, okay, hey, question. Th- happy Thanksgiving. Hey, back at you, man. I hope you had a great one. But he's asking, when will the next season, which, if I'm not mistaken, is season four. Yes, it is. Season four. When will that be on Amazon? Now, we'll be on uh, Velocity, or now the Motor Trend Network. We'll be on, on there starting in January. It should hit Amazon. Please don't quote me yet. I'll have better dates when we get closer. It should hit Amazon uh, middle to end of February is about when to expect uh, season four on Amazon. So we appreciate you looking out for that. Thank you. Bensi is asking, any suggestions on cleaning microfiber? And he says, every detailer says to use clean microfiber, but mine seems to get destroyed after a single use. You've got to get mm, good mm. microfiber. It's got to be quality stuff. Get it from Griot's. <laughs> I've had mine for years, and I just throw it all in the wash together after I do my car. Then I of course you pile do. them all up, and I just do that load of laundry is only microfiber. It's just those rags by of themselves. Of course it is. Of course it is. I do not do this. I also don't have the quality stuff either. I'm just glad it's cleaner than it was the last time. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. But yes, it's got to be quality. It really does. And then, yeah, take care of it. You know, wash it by itself. Don't put, you know, other zippers and things that'll tear it up in there. But just all the rags, even the, you know, some of the drying rags, you can do that because the washer will get it clean enough. But yeah, all your, your rags by themselves that go on cars, those all get cleaned by themselves, not with your regular clothes. You know what this reminds me of? Laundry I'm going to throw, <laughs> throw him under the bus a little bit, but but our friend Nick, Nick Grio, okay? You heard him on the podcast. Obviously, obviously, Nick Grio gets all of his Griot's gear for free. So I realize he's in a little bit of an exception to the rule of the rest of us here. Sure, but I will sure. say this because it makes me laugh so much. They have a gray drying towel that's that's not cheap by the way it is like the world's thirstiest towel <laughs> i can take this towel i can run it over the lotus which i realize is not large i can run it over the lotus when it is completely sopping wet and the towel can take more and the lotus is now dry it's an unbelievable towel that's funny okay your car is tiny funny, but that's funny my car is tiny but still that's impressive Nick says to us in passing, because it came up when we were there recently shooting, he said to us in passing, he packs them to take them for towels on trips. He uses these things as his personal towels. And I thought, well, of course, you're, you're getting them for free. But at the same time, it makes me laugh. You could dry four people with this towel. That's he takes awesome. them and just uses them for fun. Anyway, I just had to kind of throw them under the bus. Thank you, Nick. I, that made me laugh, so I had to share it. Hey. Uh, Jared wrote in with a Track Daily Crush. I want to cover this real quick. Let's see. Jared says, Track Daily Crush. What about the Audi RS3, 
versus the Mercedes GLA AMG 45 and the BMW M2. Okay. Mm, I thought about this because obviously we live in the mountains. I love the good, fun winter cars, and I like having a hatch. So because of the hatch, I think the GLA AMG 45 becomes the daily, which means the RS3 dies because the M2 belongs on the track. Yeah, I it does, but I'm intrigued with that RS3. I, I want that winter tires. Yeah, I know you like I it. I want that as a daily. I'd buy a hair. I'd crush the Mercedes. Buy a hair, though. I love okay. that car. All right. All right. All right. JP Dunphy on Facebook said, if we offer the option to give a car to all enthusiasts for free, one time and one Ooh. time only. Ooh. <laughs> with what budget? Like, where, where does that actually come from, JP? Uh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> Who's sponsoring this? Let's yeah. do this. That sounds like lots exactly. of fun. So what do, we, what do we give to all of our listeners, every enthusiast everywhere? What do we do and why? Two categories. Hmm. Price is not a factor. And then there's a car, say, under 30K. And honestly, JP, you know me. It's a Cayman. I cannot say mm, which mm, one okay. because our Cayman film has not been released yet. It is part of season four. <laughs> okay. We yes, cannot good, good wait job. to share the Cayman film with you. We drove all three generations of the Cayman. But honestly, this car, even price not a factor, I wouldn't even go super crazy hypercar because this one is usable and you get mm. so much enjoyment out of it. It's not a... I mean, they're precious cars, but they're not like, oh, I can't, you know, just go rely on it and drive it and go what I need, do the errands that I need. It's mm -hmm. not some crazy thing that's so delicate and so low to the ground. You can drive these cars. Sure, sure. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, going, yeah. Cayman, but I, I have to keep the which one in reserve. You have to see this right. film first, JP. So what about what about the under 30 option of this? You've done the money, no object. I have a money, no object one too, but what about the under 30 option? Mm, I'm leaning towards the two series. That's kind of been the theme of the podcast. You probably... That's true, you have. ...probably yeah. heard, but uh, I'm leaning in that direction just because of BMW making a manual transmission for enthusiasts that is so rare yeah. in the marketplace, and it's still an enthusiast, modern, focused car, and the, the chassis is small enough, and I keep coming okay. back to that car. I'm... Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I think, and this may be a foregone conclusion for those of you listening for five minutes, but I, I think for under 30, if I'm giving every enthusiast a car, it's the 86 platform. Mm. Absolutely. Sure. It's got a great six-speed, a really, really good six-speed. So you can learn to drive stick if you don't know how. It's one of those cars like the Miata where new drivers can learn from it and race drivers can kill you with it. It's the same kind of idea, but it's much more versatile than the Miata. Mm, with that fold-down sure. backseat and that big trunk, you really could do any kind of life in the 86 chassis. If you want to take it and make it a track car, great. If you want to make it just your little cruiser commute car, fine. I think that is the beginning and the end of the under 31. For the money no object one, I thought about this for a while, and I think, I think I know, and it may surprise you. I think the answer for a money no object, but every enthusiast should have one, is the GT3 911. Oh, and I also actually lovely. wonder about the GT3 Touring because. You have back seats if you need them. You don't have the crazy wing anymore. But if you want to go track this car, great. It's ready. If you want to just drive it as a nice car, great. It's ready. And it isn't the weird, crazy, you know, Lambo door, what is that color exotic. I think every enthusiast would enjoy that car. 
I'm just relieved that Pagani isn't going to have to hire like 5,000 people and crank up the production line to levels they've <laughs> never before seen. I, I was yeah, worried I, there for a minute because I, I know you love those wires. I just don't think. Look, I love the Lotus, too, but I can't recommend a Lotus to most people. I can't do that to most people. I'm not normal. I can't bestow that on everyone else. That's not nice. <laughs> you think it's a gift. It's really not. Yeah, exactly. You thought I helped you. I did not. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys for being with us on another podcast. I can't believe 351. Thanks for being with us. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving and a long Thanksgiving weekend. We will be back in studio next week with uh, with more podcasts talking about, guess what, cars. We've got LA Auto Show coming up next week. We'll have a debrief on that. If you are rattling around watching our stuff on Amazon, we'd appreciate a rating there, and uh, we'd love it when you share and rate the podcast, too. Massive thanks for your support, guys. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.